to AFMA 360. I'm your host, Chris DeChant. Today, we're continuing staff interviews, and with me, I have Battalion Chief Sean Holcomb. How are you doing today, Sean? Good, Chief. How are you? Good. So we talked just a minute ago. You've watched a few of these interviews already, uh, so we're just going to get right into it. So growing up, what was your childhood like, and where did you grow up at? I had a really good childhood. I grew up in West Phoenix, 35th Avenue, Glendale. I was born and raised in Phoenix, so I'm a native here. Um, really good childhood. Played all the sports you could think of growing up. Pretty active with sports, outdoors. Um, yeah, that's it. So 35th and Glendale, not too far from where I grew up. So yeah. I went to Moon Valley High School. That's yes. where I graduated from. Yeah. What did you go to Glendale High went School? To Washington High School. Washington, yes. okay. And okay. I know some classmates that you know of that we're familiar with. Catherine's yep. and... Yep. Yeah, yeah. We just well, we'll that. leave that alone, though, because yeah. there's probably some stories there that <laughs> neither of us should be talking about, yeah. even though the statute of limitations has expired. Yeah. But still, it's it's a forward-facing podcast, so we don't want to get too much information out there, right? Yeah, yeah. Went to Washington. Uh, Chief Bisco actually went to Washington as well. Wow. A couple other folks that worked here. I think Ron, Chief uh, Captain Pukto went to Washington. we got a few other folks uh, went to Washington High School, graduated in 88. Okay. And those were the Rams, right? Yes. That was the Washington Rams. Was the, yep. Yeah. The mascot. Mm-hmm. Very cool. 88. So graduated a year before I did. I knew we were about the same age. So yep. after high school, what did you, what did you do? Well, during high school, uh, I, I took a, just kind of something that led me into, in, into this career. Um, it was a class in called health occupations education, HOE. Huh. I don't know if you guys okay. had that at your school. No, we didn't. Yeah. In my senior year, I took that class and it's, it's a health oriented type class. And we learned, um, uh, I'm sorry, it just blanked. Um, well, anyways, we went to the VA um, two days a week. We'd go to the VA and work in the different departments. I worked in endoscopy. I worked in the the life support unit, which was called their emergency room. And I, I, I think, think we've both been there uh, on the private ambo side, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, for some pretty sick folks. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then I did health occupations uh, area in the in the VA. So we'd go there twice a week during the school hours. It was the first two hours of school. We'd go there and hang out. And then during the other times, we would learn CPR, um, terminology, medical terminology. We learned quite a bit of stuff. So that kind of got me interested in the medical. Um, and then in my senior year, I, that's when I decided I, I probably wanted to do something with the fire department because I kind of had both both worlds of what I wanted to do. So that kind of led me my senior year of, oh, cool. of uh, going towards that. Um, after I graduated, um, I tested for the Phoenix Cadet Program, the Phoenix Fire Cadet Program. That which at the time I think was the only one around, right? I don't think yeah. any of the fire departments really had cadet programs. No cadets, then. no. Yeah, that was the only one I was aware of, and I was only seventeen when I when I interviewed with them. So, and uh, right after graduation, uh, I interviewed with them and got picked up with the cadets. So I was a Phoenix Fire Cadet for a year in, in nineteen eighty eight, and then uh, to eighty nine. Then eighty nine, I uh, tested or I got my EMT in eighty nine, and then I decided to test or apply for uh, a private ambulance company to get some experience. So at the time, there were three big ones. There was a, a PMT, American and Southwest, I think. Or, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, yeah. something like that. Yeah, because so I like, don't think AMT was around yet. I think I they, I could, they, it was AMT instead was of PMT. It? Okay. Yeah, it was AMT. Or, yes, it was them instead of PMT. So I tested for all three of them, and uh, Southwest was the first one that called me. So I started my career in EMS in 89 with Southwest Ambulance. So... From there, I worked uh, in Southwest Ambulance, got into Glendale, city of Glendale in uh, 90, started working uh, Ambulance 53 up at Arrowhead Hospital, stationed out of the hospital up there. Um, shortly after that, uh, in ni- 1990, I was 20, got into paramedic school. 
So I was only in the field probably a year and a half or so, and I applied for paramedic school in a Bar Baylor's class, Samaritan class of 1990. No, it was, it was 91 I got accepted into that. I was 20, year, 20 years old. Graduated uh, in 20 or 1992. I was uh, 21. Actually, I had uh, I was still I was still underage at 20 because we all went out to celebrate and I couldn't, uh, couldn't have drink. anything to drink. Yep. To, yeah, yep. so so I had a, quite a few folks in my medic class that like Chief Reese for Tempe and all those folks are, are spread or spread throughout the valley. So I know quite a few folks from from back then. So. And, and I think right right before you graduated, I think that's when we met. So I was working as an ER tech at Maryville, and I started. I had just started working, I think, at Southwest right before you graduated and got your medic. Because you you transitioned from working on dedicated rides over to, over to like AP54 yeah. at one point, right? Yeah, I was on 50. Well, after I got my medic and went yeah. to, yeah, I was on 54. Yeah, and then, uh, and and unfortunately, in, with private ambulance, there was no paramedic ambulances on the west side. So in order to get a dedicated fire spot, you had to go to the east side. So they shipped me out to Mesa, which was a whole. At least your experience was probably like mine. Yeah. Completely different world in Mesa. I, yeah. I was a West Side guy. I knew nothing about it. The way they did, the way they did everything was different. It was it was kind of neat though. I mean, it opened my eyes to some things, and and I think that helps uh, me today with seeing the differences in the in the East and West Valley the way we do we the way we did things. So. Yeah, and, and I think that still is true. You know, <clears throat> to a lesser extent today, but still, it is a little bit different, and, and I know that for a fact because. Of the opportunities operations chief to sit on both the east and west valley mm -hmm. uh, ops chiefs meetings and, and so we still do things just a little bit differently and now you know you're assigned out here as a as a battalion chief and you probably see the difference from kind of growing up in the sun city west and north county area and now working out here the difference is not drastically different but there are just a, a few unique things yes there there are some differences for sure it's for sure so um yeah, so then I got shipped out to East Mesa on the ambulance uh, side, and then I started – well, in and, and that whole time period, I was testing with fire as well, but I, I was the first in my family to test for fire, so I didn't really have uh, any – Anyone in 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 my family that could or friendly friend friends that could point me in the right direction of what I needed to do to get hired for fire. So I just kind of fumbled my way through testing and um, Black Canyon City back in the day in 1993, I applied for them. And uh, they hired me up there as a volunteer, and they didn't have any paramedics, so I was a paramedic up there, so I was their, their only paramedic. And I didn't have my one or two yet, but I, they let me volunteer up there and ride on fire truck, and <laughs> so that was quite an experience. I did that for for a year, and then after that, I went to um, Guadalupe. So I don't did I I don't know if I was in your class or you were already there, and then I, I got I think up. I think I just barely, or you know what. I think you might have gotten there just before I did because I had a very similar experience. I went through medic school with Greg Parkinson. Okay. He was uh, the fire chief at right, Guadalupe there. Right. Yeah. And at the time, he was a captain, and they were starting a brand-new ALS program. So it had to be very, very similar timing there. But he knew that at the time I wanted to go to medical school and become a doctor. Didn't have any money, so my plan was to become a medic and then work my way through school. And so he, you know, he kind of pitched it to me. He said, hey, why don't you – Come out and work with us. You can get some 911 experience. Because like you, I was stuck on an inner facility mm -hmm. right on the private side as a brand new medic. And he said, you can get some 911 experience. So I interview, I get hired out there. And then he told me, he's like, oh, by the way, you can't be on the fire truck just as a medic. So you have to go through a one and two academy. And that, and I've told this story before, but um, that we did our first live burn. At, we had the opportunity to do a live burn at, Tempe, at Tempe's Academy. And man, that was that was it for me. I was like, forget medical school. This is, <laughs> this is what I want to do. So I think our paths were very similar in kind of how they how they Yeah, yeah. so I was only there a month. <laughs> so I got hired for them uh, for, for Guadalupe. I was only there for a month or so. Um, I think I got in trouble. I, I, 
I had another medic from uh, Southwest that was going through medic school and needed some some time, uh, precept time. Mm-hmm. I me not knowing the process. I'm like, yeah, come on down to Guadalupe, man. Oh, I'm, wow. I'm working. So you, yeah, <laughs> you so, precepted. So I, <laughs> so I had a conversation with Chief Parkinson or, or Chief Parkinson. Right around yeah, that yeah. time was was when he became, yeah, I think he became the fire chief. Yeah, I had a conversation yeah. with him. It didn't go very well. Which, so. which just, uh, you know, timing-wise, <laughs> that, you, you didn't mean anything by it, right? But brand new ALS program. We were based out of county, right? They yeah. were still kind of, I think back then, really unsure what the capability, because most of us were brand new medics. You yeah. probably being the exception, you've been a medic for a little while, but all the rest of us were, were brand new medics. So <laughs> that, that was just, a, I think, an unfortunate, unfortunate uh, timing of events that happened. Yeah, that was, that was knowing what I know now. I was like, oh my God, what was I doing? <laughs> yeah. I had no idea. So anyways, I had gotten an offer or I had tested in the process of going to Guadalupe. I also had put in for Daisy Mountain at the time. So they had offered me a uh, recruit position there. So that's why I left uh, Guadalupe because I had something not closer to my house, but more on the west side. So, um, and I hadn't gone through one or two at this point yet. So they said they would sponsor me. So I went through um, the one or two class being sponsored through Daisy Mountain, and I actually went through the one or two class with the fire chief of of uh, Daisy Mountain Fire. We, oh, really? we were going through the one and two class oh, together, wow. and he was the fire chief. And I cannot remember his name to this day, but. Um, yeah, so I, so I got there, and then they picked me up as a reserve. And mind you, I was working full-time Southwest Ambulance still, um, working uh, a reserve with Daisy, and then an opportunity for Tolleson came around for a reserve, so I put in for Tolleson too. So I'm working two reserve fire, fire jobs, full-time ambulance job, trying to get hired. I mean, that's what we had to do. You yeah, know, I was back, doing, back in the day. Yeah, it was, it was not easy to get hired, four to six years testing to get hired. Um, I was doing what I, what I had to do to get a job. With fire, so I was burning the candle both ends. It was getting too much. Um, funny story with Daisy. Um, so uh, they, I, I was reserved with Daisy, and I, I, got, I have to make a decision. I can't do both departments. So I thought I would have a better shot of getting hired in Tolleson. So I wrote up a, a resignation letter for Daisy Mountain, went to my captain, who was responsible for me at the time, and, and I said, hey, chief, I just, or a captain, I, I got... I'm burning the candle on both ends. I got to make a decision here. I got to I got to let something go, and and unfortunately, I'm going to have to resign as my position here. So I pass my letter over to him, and he goes, "Huh? Did you didn't hear we were testing for full time next <laughs> month?" And I'm like, "What?" He goes, "Yeah, we're testing for full time, and it's the reserves we test from." I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" You know, I'm thinking, just pass me the letter back, and this conversation didn't happen. Yeah. No, he kept the letter. Oh, wow. And I'm like, well, what does this mean? He goes, well, I'm going to have to talk to the fire chief to see uh, if you're going to be eligible to test. So he talked to the fire chief, and they said, no, you can't test with the reserves. But if the reserves, we test with the reserves and we don't get who we would like out of that, we're going to put the test outside. And he says, if that happens, you can test. So I'm like, okay. So they didn't get who they wanted out of the reserves, so they went outside, and that's how I got hired full-time with wow. Daisy. Yeah, so that was in 1995, 1996. Uh, so that was the start of my fire career with, with AZ Mountain. That's where I started full time. Yeah. So I'll tell you, like I said, our, our paths were very similar. Um, <clears throat> I got hired, you know, in Sun City West in 94 as a reserve while I was working in Guadalupe. Got my call from Glendale, ended up going to Glendale, but still was trying to work in Guad just to help them out a little bit even mm-hmm. after. And, and you're right, trying to do 
two reserve gig or you know a reserve gig plus a full time gig. It, it it's way too much. For yeah, it's a lot, but like especially said, driving across the valley. Yeah, you know, across towns. Yeah. Then it also wasn't as nice. Like coming out here today, I took the two hundred two <clears> on the backside to get out here. That wasn't available. I ten really didn't come out this far. You know, didn't yeah. go out that far west. So it was really taking I seventeen mostly, and then a little bit through the interloop with I ten. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I've I've kind of dabbled in a lot of departments, but I, like I said, I did what I had to do to get to get a job, and I'm glad I did because I met a lot of a lot of folks even through the Southwest days. I mean, all the folks that I work with, they're spread throughout the valley. You, you can know someone from any department. Yep. that's someone you worked with back in the day. So yeah, well, because that that was pretty much the path of, like you said, unless you had a good friend or family on the job back then, that was the path of how you became a firefighter. Yeah. You had to get in some way and get to know people. Okay, cool. So you got hired full time in Daisy. So, what was the path between Daisy and then over to over to Sun City West? So TJ McKay, uh, him and I actually worked together at Southwest. We he was we were partners together when I first got hired in '89. Um, and uh, I I lived over on uh, 105th and Camelback. I had a house there, and we uh, my wife and, the, and I at the time went to get a pizza place, some pizza at uh, 107th and Indian School. There's a I think it's a Ray's or a Brothers. It's been there forever. We went there and I see TJ there and I hadn't seen him in a long time. And uh, he had, he was working for South or uh, Sun City West fire. And I saw TJ and he goes, Hey, what do you, what do you think about coming over to, to Sun City West? And I'm like, my goal was always to test with Glendale fire. Cause mm-hmm. I started on my, my career in the ambulance in Glendale and I loved it. I loved working Glendale. That was the place to be when you worked on the ambulance. Glendale fire really treated the ambulance folks really well. Um, so that was my goal. I was going to test for Glendale fire. So I, I told TJ, I'm like, I, I, you know, I want to test for Glendale and I don't want to jump all over the place. And I, I don't, I don't know. Let me, let me think about it. But he said, we'd really like to have you. I think I can get you in and you, you'd really like it there. So I thought about it and, and it was a $10,000 raise across the board because I actually took a pay cut to go to Daisy Mountain from, from um, Southwest Ambulance. Which is time. crazy. Which I, I, I told the story, uh, uh, medic, private ambo medic, making six sixty seven an hour. I doubled my pay when I went to Glendale as a BLS firefighter. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was a six year medic at, at or five years as a medic with South with Southwest Ambulance. Took a pay cut to go to be a firefighter paramedic with Daisy Mountain, but I didn't care. I, yeah. had, to, I had to get out. Well, that, was, and that was your goal, right? That was, was my goal, and and it was the best thing that ever happened to me. I was like, you know, this is what it's supposed to be. You know, this is the way this is supposed to be going to fire. So. Um, yeah, so I thought about it, and it was a raise going to, Su- to Sun City West, and I would go through the Phoenix Fire Academy, which was which was cool. And like, so I talked to TJ some more, did some ride-alongs out there out in Sun City West, and uh, testing happened, and so I decided to test, and I got picked up. Brad Puckin and I both got picked up at the same time. We worked at Daisy Mountain together, and we both came over, same class, 98-1 for uh, Sun City West Fire. So did you ever work with uh, with Brad at Southwest? I did not, but I knew of I knew him, but I had never worked with him. So he was on a, he was on one of the Peoria rides, and and I even give him give him a little bit of a hard time today. That guy at three in the morning, his boots would be so polished, <laughs> like you could you could do your hair and and how reflective his boots were, just <laughs> wired tight, you know, yeah. just as he is today. Yeah. Was the the same way yeah. back back in the day working Ambos. Good old Brad, yeah. I love Brad. He's a good guy, good man. Love Brad. Yeah, so, yeah, we tested uh, and got hired with Sun City West in uh, 98.1. We were class 98.1. Great, great. Yeah. So you had a chance, an opportunity, I remember, you were able to promote relatively quickly once you got to Sun City West. Yeah, so they they took my time with Daisy Mountain. I had two years on before I got hired with Sun City West, and uh, 
it's funny. I was in the testing process with Glendale Fire with with person you know, Dave Jensen and I were oh, really? in the process together. We yeah. were testing, and the captain's test came up for us. So I had to make a decision. I go, what what do I want to do? I do I put all my eggs in one basket, or what, you know, what do I do? Um, so I put my application in for for captain um, with Sun City West, and I think I ended up pulling out of the Glendale process because that was a huge, of course. I mean, I'm pr- trying to test for a captain for an agency and they're, they're, they're going to, you're, you're in a testing process somewhere yeah. else. Okay. That just doesn't kind of difficult to say you're ready to be a leader yes. within the organization, but you want to leave to go to another organization. Yeah. So that yeah. wasn't going to fly. So yeah. I, 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 I pulled out of the Glendale process and then uh, tested for a captain and I it was number one on the list for that. So I got promoted um, to actually my first day on the fire truck as a captain, brand new captain, very first day was the day Brett Tarver's incident. Happened. Oh, wow. Wow. I was a engine 102 captain, very first day. We were out in the gym working out with my crew when we were watching on the news. And uh, like you said, I knew uh, some folks from Southwest that now work in the alarm room. And I saw the trucks that were coming out. So I got on the alarm room phone and called one of my buddies up there. And I said, hey, do you guys need any move-ups for, for what's going on? He said, yes, we need you to move up. So I was the best captain to my crew ever because the very first day as my ca- as their captain, I moved us up into Phoenix and we oh, got wow. moved into Phoenix for like eight hours. We were running calls in downtown Phoenix. Yeah, I was. I won't forget that day either. I was yeah. working. I was at one fifty four. That was my that was my home at the time as a as a firefighter medic. And we ended up going, but pretty late into the incident down there. Um, I knew Brett a little bit from when he worked in in uh, Sun City mm-hmm. when I got precepted there in medic school. But then he was assigned to Rescue 42 with King Brewster, and so I ran with those guys a mm. lot. And that was like a really devastating thing yeah. when that when that yeah. happened to him. That was a horrible day, but it's one I'm never going to forget. You know, yeah, for many reasons. But um, yeah, so my crew was was like, holy cow, that was awesome. That was like an awesome day for them. Yeah, it was a bad cool. day, but I mean, it was an awesome day for for the crew. And yeah, so that's that's pretty much how my yeah. So promoted. So I was a captain uh, 20 years. Until I got promoted a year and a half ago to battalion chief. To battalion chief, yeah, yeah. So what are what are some things you've seen and and been a medic a long time, right? Um, what are some this this year was thirty, right? So yeah. uh, I interviewed uh, Chief Cohen yesterday, and he just went through his sixteenth research. He was the class before me. Okay, at Barbara makes class. sense. There yes. you go. So thirty two years. That was right? a class right medic. after him. Yeah, yeah. So what are some positive things you've seen either on the fire side or EMS side? You know, in, in the time of your career. Just the technology, the advancements in the equipment, um, procedures have changed, changed, changed drastically. Um, like you said, the old light pack fives or Brad, Brad was Brad yeah. was talking about the tens and the ability to pace, and we we kind of talked about yeah. that. Reminisced, right? Because yeah. we're old guys back in the day being medics. I think but. that's the biggest thing because that monitor is your that's your thing on every call, right? So that's the thing that you think of the most is we see where you've started and then where you go to. When I worked for Tallis, and we had the flip up case with the phone in it. Yep. Uh, MRL, I think it was called, or some, yeah. some weird... Yeah, where you had to plug in when you had to send, yeah. a, send a monitor or plug into a landline, right, if it was in the patient's yeah. home and your cell wasn't working. Funny thing, too, is uh, I got my first cell phone. It was a brick. <laughs> in uh, 1995, I was working um, out in Tolleson. And I'm like, hey, you know what? I could call the hospital with this a patch, right? Yep, instead of using the radio on the no, back of the Ambo, right? That sounds yeah. ridiculous, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. I can call the hospital, but th- we didn't have cell phones. And I'm like, I could call the hospital and patch with my cell phone. So, and so behind the, the camera, and I always have to throw it out to these guys, right? <laughs> Matt, Matt and Abraham. So Matt or Abraham or both of you guys, 
How much does that shock you? So back in the day, you probably heard the old old folks tell the stories, but we used to actually have to patch over a med radio um, that was wired into the back of the animal. Yep, yep. So uh, what are your thoughts on that? I'm, I'm kind of just curious. It's uh, That's pretty wild. I think I've never patched on anything but a smartphone. Yeah, it's crazy. So Abraham, that would have created a whole separate uh, set of work for you because <laughs> if you were in the front of the Ambo driving, you had to go over to the Med so Radio much. and then tune in whatever channel we were. You know, we go on Med Nine and then get assigned to yeah. a Med channel to do a patch. So you'd have to do that while you're driving, especially if it's a critical patient, right? What what are your what are your thoughts about that? Sounds incredibly safe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not so much, like we talked about. So we've kind of touched on, you know, with uh, with Nick and, and uh, Chris Barden, I interviewed them about the Nemesis 3.5, and we talked a little bit. It was either during Nick's personal interview or during the Nemesis interview. Talked about, you know, just how much safer it is now um, with CPR devices, not having to stand up, you know, the the med radio. I mean, it, it's just, it, it's pretty cool how technology has really benefited it's us. It's funny, the, the uh, I call it the geezer squeezer, the uh, the CPR, uh, the Lucas, Lucas device. device. yeah. I yeah. remember Peoria Fire running with them back when I first started in the late 80s. They had one of those. Um, engine 192 or yeah, engine 92. But, but, but that was the thumper and it was, it was pneumatically, the pneumatically. It had a two oxygen cylinders on a cart that you had to pull. A thing was humongous. And yeah. I remember we had a code on a, uh, a green out at like one of the, the golf courses in North Peoria. And we were doing CPR on a guy that coded and they, they said, grab the thumper. And that thing was humongous. <laughs> yeah. So for, for you guys, much different than the yeah. Lucas device. You had to slide this fiberglass uh, kind of backboard piece underneath them. It had like these huge metal tongs that you kind of slipped into the end of the fiberglass piece. And the depth of compression, it was not even as close to exact as it, it was is now. It, it was, was brutal. Kind of two inch ish, yeah, right? It but it, it was pretty savage when you watched that. And it made the board. pneumatic yeah. sounds when it did it, and it did the respirations for you. It was it was crazy. Yeah, every time, right? I remember they right. asked us to dig it out of the back of their fire truck when we were coming on scene. I'm like, what? What the heck yeah. is this thing? Pretty pretty barbaric, yeah, you know. It was some other stuff. Brad and I talked about, you know, central lines doing mm. EJs. Uh, you know, instead of IOs, intubating, nasally intubating, right? Things that, that the medics today just don't, don't yeah, do. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that we don't do anymore, which is probably good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and we definitely talked about that, dumping yeah. the drug box. Remember, we used to we used to bicarb everybody yeah. and then found out later they didn't really need that that level of uh, med for yeah. most most codes. Or the, the real reason to treat them wasn't chemically based, so we were actually making the situation worse back then, but didn't didn't know any better. That's another thing, too. I mean, we, we, you know, when you go through medic school, you know those drugs back and forth. And throughout 30 years of changing in drugs, you never, ever, ever know those drugs as good as the ones that you went through medic school with. Yep, absolutely. So you really have to stay on that and study that to keep up on the on the on those drugs and the dosages. Well, well, you, you do and you don't now, right? Because Matt, well, Matt, um, what what is an opportunity? You talked about not you know the only <clears> thing you've ever patched on is a smartphone. What are the capabilities you guys have now with smartphones like you and I, you know, Sean never had back in the day? Yeah, we've got uh, our CARES protocols app on the smartphones now, and we have. Um, the hand heavy app as well to mm -hmm. help with pediatric doses. So we, we had our memory. We had our memory and 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 using the Braslow <laughs> tape and all that, you know, like like to the max, right? Because yeah. we we did. I mean, yeah. back in the day, we had to memorize all of our offline protocols. Mm -hmm. We had to know what the drug dosages were. We, you know, I always joked around. I heard it early on in the medic school. 
paramedic meant pair of medics, right? Which you, you worked solo for a while mm-hmm. when you first started, but you'd look at your medic partner and be like, Hey man, I think this is what the, what the med dose is. Can you confirm it for me? Right. That was the way you did it. You didn't have a calculator on mm-hmm. your smartphone. You definitely didn't have your, uh, your standing orders, you know, pulled up. So I will tell you, I think that's another way technology is a huge assistance to today's Absolutely. medics that we just, yep. we never had that opportunity. I agree. All right. So the question that I asked, last question I ask everybody that I interview, what is one interesting or unique thing about yourself that the folks you work with wouldn't wouldn't know? Some some folks that have known me for quite a while maybe know this, but it, it's nothing big or, or crazy. But uh, we we owned a pet store growing up when I was in uh, high school. Really? Yeah. So and you would probably know where this was. It was called the Big Blue Frog. That was the name of it when we purchased it at 43rd Avenue in Bethany. Oh yeah, in the Fry's parking in the yeah, Fry's shopping yeah. center okay. next to the Thrifties. Yep, yep. Yeah. So when I was a, when I was a junior, sophomore or junior, I uh, uh, got a job there um, working after school. Because oh. you, you might have known the owner. Was that how you got the no, job? No, 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 no. This is before we owned it. Oh, before you guys yeah, owned it. Before oh, okay. we owned it. I, okay. I, a buddy of mine was working there. He goes, hey, you want a you know, part-time job after school? It's pretty cool. I'm like, yeah. So I, I started working there. And shortly after that, the owners ended up uh, decided to sell. And for some crazy reason, my mom um, decided to say, we should, we should buy this. I'm like, okay. So I'm like, all right. So we ended up purchasing it and kept the name. It was called the Big Blue Frog, which is a horrible name, but that's what it was. Um, yeah, so we had a pet store, owned a pet store for about a year and a half until, uh, so I've owned every animal you could think of. So yeah, yeah that's amazing. some crazy stuff. So until the pet smarts and all them started coming out and that really, really shut down the mama pop pet stores out there. So so you talked about thrifty. So back in the day too, right? Before even Baskin Robbins became really big. Thrifty, man, you go there and you get some get awesome ice cream, ice cream right? Yeah. So yeah. I used to, so I had a uh, nine and a half Burmese Python that I kept at the store. Wow. And it was my personal one. So I'd wrap it around my neck and go, <laughs> go over to thrifties <laughs> and get some ice cream with it around my neck. Yeah, was, did you clear? Because usually there was a line at Thrifty. So did you like clear the line <laughs> yeah, out when yeah, people, you know, the, who was afraid of snakes? First at the line. Yeah. 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 yeah so that's, that's my sort of interesting fact, I guess. Awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. Especially with the, with the Python, right? How mm-hmm. many people can say that they've owned yeah. a Burmese Python? Yeah. Yeah. Anything else you want to cover before we wrap up today? No, that's it. It's, uh, it's been quite, uh, experience with, with Sun City West seeing the changes that have happened. And I'm really excited to see what the future holds for us. And, uh, I'm going to probably drop this year, so I want to do the seven okay. <laughs> so I can stick around to see what happens here because there's exciting stuff. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, you know, I've been involved in, in a couple of different organizations now, but uh, it does remind me, you talked about Glendale back in the day when Chief Burke first became the Glendale chief, man. We were, I mean, you remember we were cutting edge with everything that mm-hmm. we were doing, very innovative um, that's what I, I kind of think we have going on right now, you yeah. know, with the Buckeye Valley merger and the capacity we're going to have and, and really the future and the places that I think we can, we can go. It's really, really Yeah, exciting. This authority for sure is unique in the Valley and it's, it is cutting edge. No one's done it here in the Valley and I'm happy and proud to be a part of it. Awesome. See where it leads. Well, thank you for coming in today. It was great. Great talking with you. Thank I learned you, some stuff about you, even though we've known each other <laughs> a long time that I never knew before. That's it. Thank you, chief. Okay. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks again for joining us on APMA 360. Be safe, and I hope you have a great day.